Day and welcome to the Pandemic Show. Stories of the Pandemic for people living in the Pandemic. No one is alone on the Pandemic Show. Thanks for joining us as we unite humanity through stories of hope, connection, and community in the face of the global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow the Pandemic Show on social media. Good day and welcome to the Pandemic Show. Thank you for joining us as we transcend time and space to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our guest today is in the know on the Star Trek world. Who are you? Hi, I'm Aaron Davies. Aaron, Aaron is it's Commander Aaron Davies of the USS Nomad, and she's the Vice Regional Coordinator for Region 13 Starfleet International. I am proud to serve under her as a crewman on the USS Vector as the pandemic grinds on here in Southern Ontario, where I live on traditional neutral territory in Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe territory. We've just gotten out of another lockdown. Our economy is slowly opening up. People are getting vaccinated. Some people even have had two jabs. Could you tell us what your life was like in before times? I spent a lot less time at home. A lot of things happened in my life around the pandemic to drastically change it. I wasn't involved in Star Trek fandom before the pandemic. This is also my pandemic baby, but I love it so I'm going to stick with it. I still did a lot of like work from home. So in that aspect it hasn't changed much. The only big change is my child has not gone to school in over a year. It's all e-learning and it's maddening. My daughter is seven. She actually turned seven yesterday. She was six. She was in the first grade this year and it was really interesting to kind of watch the evolution of it because she went from you know, hating it because she's on Microsoft Teams all day in, with her teacher and all these students, hating it to kind of making friends with some of the newer kids in class, setting up their own Microsoft Teams meetings for after school so they could socialize and play with their toys together. This is something that they came up with on their own. So the children are adapting and assimilating to this culture, whether we overall effects from not being socialized enough are going to be a lot less than we expect. I was shocked by some of the success of play-based interactions among children. I have nieces and nephews, four, five, six kind of age range, and we would have them all meet on a Google Meet, and we would play games like hide and seek where one person would count to five, the other people would go off camera, and the person would, who's it would say, come back if you like cats come back if you've read a book and ask questions. And if the person would answer yes, they would come back. And that that did have the sense of playing a game. Also, things like tic-tac-toe, even children using the same types of materials on different computers, like they would get out their blocks and they would right. just talk about what they were building and the opportunity for them to ask questions of each other without the adults kind of involved. I think that's such a huge part of growing up and socializing. So it's great to see that, even though it's not perfect, maybe a perfect substitute, the adaptations are, are, are there. That's exciting how your daughter then set up her own little meets with her friends after school. 
Yeah, it, it was kind of neat to watch. The only downside of, is, of it is she's been loud all day talking and going through class because it's on a speaker that I'm ready for that to be done. So I just kind of have to like remove myself so that she can have that social time. It's tough to find the balance between technology and like connection with nature during the pandemic, getting off the computer and getting outside. It's, it's easier now that it's spring, but I know in the, in the winter, it was the internet and online products that got me through like Nardwar, the human serviette on Twitch, like joining Starfleet international and attending watch parties with people in region 13. Grateful for the nomad captain finding me out there on the interweb and connecting me with the Star Trek world. There's so many Star Trek episodes that are connected to viruses and pandemics. And now that I'm in my Star Trek phase of the pandemic, I've started watching them and it's helping me deal with my anger and my feelings around the pandemic. We're in the middle of the vaccination phase. There's some people that have decided the vaccine is not a safe option. And there's an anti-vaccine type of group out there. They're kind of at the end of their rope. And we have great. we have that here, the anti-vaxxers. And there's, you know who Borat is? Yeah. They came out with a new Borat film sometime during the pandemic. But they also came out with like, I guess it's like an outtakes, but they take these two guys that he like quarantined in a house with that are from Montana or somewhere. After they filmed it, they had them talk on Zoom with actual medical experts that debunked like everything, all the conspiracy things they were talking about, like there being microchips and vaccines and vaccines not being effective and me killing you. Like, and I recommend anybody watch it because it it's funny for one, but it's also informative. I mean, you have these, you know, Johns Hopkins doctors that are talking about how safe it is and how ridiculous it is that there can be a microchip inside of it because you'd need a power source. Also, people that are worried about microchips and stuff like that and vaccines are the same people that nobody would really care where they are. So why would they want to track them in the first place? And we all have a cell phone which can track us. It's complex, but not confusing. A lot of people have kind of got caught up in the fear and are having trouble distinguishing between fact and reality. And that scares me. I saw an internet quote, a historical author, and it said the hardcore communists or the hardcore liberals or the hardcore conservatives, they're not who you need to be worried about in terms of a dictatorship. The dictator relies on the people that can't tell the difference between fact and fiction. It seems like there's a growing body of those in our community. And I think they're they're frustrated at the end of the rope due to some of the challenges around the pandemic. Now, Star Trek has helped me. It's given me hope. It lets me look at those people and think, how can we help them? It seems like when this is done and we're vaccinated, we need to have lots of concerts and get togethers where we can be around singing and all those things that bring people together without judgment. And hopefully we can get them back over time. It's like deprogramming a fundamentalist of any of any stripe. I'm I'm actually doing that tonight for the first time in over a year. I'm just going to go to a German... Hofbrauhaus house that I like to go to where, you know, there's like a Bavarian guy in Lederhosen singing and yodeling. And then I'm going to go meet up with my group of friends after, and we're just going to hang out. Reminds me of Oktoberfest. Kitchener-Waterloo, I live nearby and it has the biggest Oktoberfest outside of Germany. Yeah, so this I place get... is Oktoberfest all the time. It's like a Bavarian beer hall. It's great. Oh, V Gates. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I haven't done anything like this in over a year. 
I've been vaccinated for a while. I, I had to kind of jump through some hoops to get vaccinated because it, Pennsylvania did a really bad job of the vaccine rollout compared to other states. So I actually had mine done in South Carolina. What are the changes now that people are vaccinated? We have the Delta variant here now. We're waiting to see what's going to be faster, vaccinations or the Delta variant. Life hasn't gone back to normal where I feel safe going out. People are still having to wear masks, all that. Is it similar where you are? Are people still encouraged to wear masks by public health? It's actually quite the opposite. You're not required to wear masks anymore unless if you're not vaccinated, you have to wear the mask, but they don't check your vaccination card. So it's kind of honor policy. And the same people that wouldn't get vaccinated are the same people that would lie because it infringes on their rights. And and now if you go in somewhere wearing a mask, people assume that you're not vaccinated. They don't want to be anywhere near you. So it's kind of a complicated thing where the mask is now like a scarlet letter almost. Really, In other weird. parts of the world, it's a sign of respect to wear a mask when you're not feeling well. well and I wonder if that's going to happen over here moving forward. There's a pretty big Asian population where I live. So I've been accustomed for the since I've, I've lived here for 20 years to people wearing masks when they don't feel sick. And if I'm in the office and everybody's sick, I've been wearing a mask for years and years and years. So that wasn't... Un- people thought I was over the top and ridiculous for doing it. So this is, hasn't been much of an adjustment for me personally. I've been doing it. People well, that's just thought it was weird. So how close are you to a hot spot? I've been in a hot spot the entire so you, time. You had COVID or know people that have had contracted COVID? I haven't had COVID, but I mean, I'm also a bit of a germaphobe. So I hoard cleaning products and I would clean everything. And if I had to go somewhere, I'd have like a can of Lysol in one pocket and a thing of wipes in the other pocket. You know, I dress kind of gothy. So people don't want to come too close to me looking like that. I mean, I'm, I'm really intimidating. <laughs> I'm like six feet tall. So it, people just kind of would stay away. Do you know people that across the spectrum, people that it was a, got affected mildly and then people got affected more harshly, COVID long haulers? Yeah, I, I do. My fr- One of my friends that I'm going to see tonight and his roommate, who's my best friend, their whole house had COVID, but they were all okay. okay. It was mild. But then another friend that I'm going to see tonight, Victor had it and he was sick for two months. It was bad, bad, bad. And, and we were scared. Also, I found out last week, and it was two weeks ago, somebody I know died of COVID. And it was really tragic because he's special needs. He's only 16. That's the first person I I know personally that's died from it. But yeah, mild. Like I said, I know somebody who was vaccinated that with the AstraZeneca vaccine in November that got it really bad. But I was vaccinated when I was around her. So I didn't get it. My condolences to you for the person you know that we lost during this pandemic. In our family, we've lost one of our great aunts, friends that I went to school with, their whole family, kids, they got it. They seem to have come through it okay, but it was a big ordeal. Parents were sicker than the kids. It's interesting. You hear the stories of the long haulers. Like I know a friend similar to your friend who was sick for months and has gone back to work kind of on a modified schedule due to the severity of it. What I'm seeing now in the headlines is that in places where there's a higher vaccination rate, the people that are still getting sick are more the people who didn't get the vaccine. Yeah. I raise animals and eat them. So I'm used to me- giving medicine to things to keep them safe. I've seen things get things and not do well. So I don't eat animals, by the way. <laughs> that's like my, my little sister 
was a vegetarian for a long time. I, and I eat less meat now since I've started doing that. But it, to me, I don't really have a fear of vaccines. Like they're there for a reason. They helped with polio. There's so many things that they've helped with. Sure, these vaccines are new, but I saw on the but they're internet not, that they're not that new. But this RVT, or I don't even know how to, the words for it, but they were developed by some woman who worked and worked and worked, made yeah, the breakthrough, she, and, but didn't get she, much of the credit or the money. My well, she started with cells from aborted fetuses in the 80s that were replicated. And that is the technology that we're using for this vaccine. And you're right. She is getting a lot of credit in Europe, but not so much here for all of her hard work. But, you know, once they announced that this virus was there and we need a vaccine, she was like, it's ready. Here it is. But we've had to go through all this clinical testing so that we could roll it out faster. And I think what people don't understand is they say how new this vaccine is. It's not that new. It was still in the clinical trial phase. So all we did was expedite that. We didn't expedite or rush making anything. The science was there. The vaccine was already there. It makes me think of Star Trek Enterprise season four, episode 16, Affliction and Divergence where the Levodian flu is going around on Klingon colonies. Dr. Phlox was kidnapped by Klingon augments and taken to a Klingon Kuvalt colony where General, General Kava and Dr. Antok had a little research lab, but they didn't even have the equipment. But the Klingon solution was, it was just, to, just to blow up, to destroy the settlements. Luckily, Dr. Phlox was able to come up with right. a vaccine. And the virus, by the way, led to the removal of the cr- craning ridges on Klingons. That's why they look different in Trouble with Triffids in Star Trek, the original series. Now, I don't think it explains the change between Star Trek Discovery, where the Klingons changed, and the previous episodes. But I find it... I don't, fi- don't want to know why they changed. I, did, I didn't really like that liberty they took with discovery to be quite honest with you i'm still getting my mind around it myself well in the episode i mentioned to you in the um pre-interview that you and i did of voyager it was the same thing it was airborne the virus grew to the point where it was big and janeway could fight it with weapons the individual (laughs) spores they were coming after her they neutralized it because the doctor developed an airborne vaccine to neutralize it the vaccine can give us our mental health back in the sense of being able to gather worry-free with others and not online, but in reality. Yeah, absolutely. I was born in the late seventies and as a teenager or a tween, I was given Isaac Asimov books and I could never understand how the characters in the story had agoraphobia or were afraid to leave their house. But now having lived through 14 months of a global pandemic, it's becoming clearer to me that that is a potential reality for so many people. Talk to Dana Manning, a wonderful musician from Stratford, Ontario. She talked about how money is isolation and safety in the pandemic. And the people that can afford to isolate are the people that are going to get through this with their health. And unfortunately, people that are struggling due to poverty issues, structural inequality, they're the people that are more at risk, people that are in high density and they're the ones having to shoulder a lot of the physical burden of this of So this I pandemic. agree with that to a point, but I mean, it's like that with everything. So it's not, it's not shocking. 
I mean, to the point where I, I wouldn't even bring it up in conversation with somebody because that's just the way things are right now. Across the board, people with money have access to things that people without money don't. And it creates a cycle of continued poverty, absolutely. But the only way to get rid of that fundamentally is to give everyone free education across the board and free health care. Uh- agree with you. The power of public education, I think, is what's given Canada our competitive advantage. When you look at what's happened in the States, I respect the States. It is the nearest superpower. My family lives there. My friends live there. I can't wait to get back across the border when it's safe. The public education system in the States is under attack with private schools spreading the funding over. With that said, I paid $15,000 a year for my daughter to go to a Catholic high school. And I'm not Catholic because the public school was that bad. It makes me sad. So one thing they're doing here are magnet schools. And my other daughter, the younger one is in a magnet program. She's going to a science and technology based school and she's only in the first grade. So they learn engineering, mathematics, science, but there are other ones that are like full immersion Spanish schools. And it's a lottery. If you get in it, there's no favoritism at all, unless you already have a sibling in that school. And then that'll take, you'll get a bit of an advantage for your child to other child to go there. So both of your kids are in the same school. You have a much different system where you live than where I live, but I agree with you. A strong education system is our first line of defense. Well, they only offer things like this too, in urban environments. You can kind of see how disparaging it is, especially with like political views and things like that of people in the United States, what people from more rural areas believe versus more populated areas. And it's because there's more education and opportunity and culture, absolutely, um, which is something that everyone needs. You've opened up where you are. You're able to go out. You're going out tonight to a Bavarian hall and going to be able to gather with your friends worry-free. Have things gone back to the way they were before or how have things changed even in the opening up? Well, I mean, restaurants are at, I think, limited capacity, but the capacity is like 75%. So it's not any better. I mean, everybody's going to be close. It is what it is, but I feel good because I'm vaccinated and pretty much everyone else is too. Is the theater open or is there live music indoors? Yeah, actually tonight after I go do the thing with my friends, I'm going to see a couple of DJs. I've been blessed to be able to have their music this whole time. They've been streaming on Twitch three, four days a week. I love Twitch. It's been getting me through the pandemic. Thanks. Shout out to Nardwar, the human serviette, Video Vault. What DJs are you going to see tonight? I'm going to see Big Phil. Shout out Big Phil. Black Steel. Shout out Black Steel. And Selecta. Shout out Selecta. That's exciting. I'm looking at this summer as it's kind of a wash in terms of going inside and gathering inside and inside live music because our vaccine rollout is is further behind where you are. Not not enough people have been double vaxxed. So they say like when you get the Pfizer, the Moderna, you need the second shot three weeks after the first one and you guys aren't getting that so I worry about how effective it's going to be good point we've been told well first of all due to vaccine shortages and the initial part of the vaccine rollout we the country decided that it's better that everybody get one dose to have a little bit of immunity with a focus on seniors people at risk 
frontline workers, essential workers. And there have been studies that have shown that the vaccine can be effective up to even four months later. People are getting their second shot two or three months later here. I'm looking at this summer as like it's an outdoor summer. You got you to gotta get together with people in some, in, to some degree this far into it just to maintain humanity. I've been getting together with people multiple times a week on Zoom for a while. And you find that satisfies your need for togetherness? It it definitely helps. Since I started all the watch parties, we did started once a week. And now we have four or five events a week. I have attended the watch parties. If anyone likes Star Trek and is looking for something to do virtually to keep them busy and to get a sense of community, I do recommend checking out Starfleet International Region 13. It, It goes from Pennsylvania up into Ontario. All are welcome. And I have been attending the watch parties and there's people talking in the chat. There's people kind of commenting over the episode. And it did help me when the weather was a little bit more fussy and cold. And besides the watch parties, the trivia nights have been exciting. And there is also going to be an online conference in July for Region 13. Yeah, it's called Holocon. I'm actually really excited about it. We're putting a lot of work into it. It's going to be, the big thing is going to be the cosplay, but it's all for charity. Even people that can't attend, we're going to have like a Facebook donation so they can just donate directly to it, but we're splitting it. I don't remember the Canadian charity we're doing, but it's the American, it's whatever the Canadian version is of the American Humane Society. So it's going to be for animals that you don't eat. (laughs) One of the things I really appreciate about your last podcast, you were talking about a documentary on O'Hara. Her name translates, excuse me, thank you, O'Hara, and her name translates into freedom. Yes. It's called Woman in Motion. Woman in Motion. And I'm really glad that you talked about that on the podcast because I know we just had Juneteenth in Ontario and Canada here. We're celebrating Indigenous Peoples Month. It's also Pride Month. A lot of focus on equality and equity and justice for all this month. You know, Black Lives Matter has been a big part of the pandemic coming out of the States. Well, it's it's actually interesting with the Black Lives Matter because I've always been a civil rights activist. Most of my core group of friends, every I'm the only person that's not black. And it was interesting with this movement that happened during the pandemic. I took a step back because when I was going to these rallies and stuff, I had realized that the presence of the white person there, at least here, where there are lots of lots of black people that are participating in these is detracting from it. So I kind of took a step back during the pandemic where I was always such a loud voice before because I I don't want to detract from their message with the color of my skin. Instead, I'm taking a more supportive role. We have a horrible legacy of residential schools in Canada. We're in the stage of that now where they've been shut down. I think the last one was shut down in the 90s. Now they're finding the graves of all the little children that were buried there. And it's a really a time of mourning in Canada, coast to coast. And every different community is processing their grief differently. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of sorrow and it's getting people talking from from different groups. And Star Trek's really helping me with all of that internal dialogue because it is 
built on equality and togetherness and collaborating. It is. They don't have money anymore. They have totally socialized healthcare too, which is really nice. Education for everybody. You can choose the military path, obviously, which would be Starfleet. But no matter where you're from or how you're born, you have opportunities in this future that Gene Roddenberry envisioned, which is super. And that documentary you talked about, she was thinking about quitting Star Trek. Did you watch it? I listened to your podcast. I haven't watched it yet, but it is on my list. It is on my list. And she was going to quit Star Trek because she was she was upset that all of her scenes kept getting cut. Not only that, she gave them her letter of resignation. And then Dr. Martin Luther King asked her not to. He said, don't quit. We need you. Because the representation on TV was so important. Right. I remember someone on the show saying that he, he told her, Dr. Martin Luther King told her, the only show I let my child watch yeah. is Star Trek because you're on it. Having representation of all different ethnicities and having alien representation of different beliefs, I think it's really, it, it's great. And it reflects, it kind of shines a mirror on our human society. Uh, we have a way to go, but hopefully it's going in the right direction. I know that, um, I assuming that things are very similar in Canada, that they are in the United States, especially in regard to like women, people of color, transgender people, transgender people get it pretty bad. People who are gay, not so much. It's pretty accepted here, especially in the workplace, but transgender women have it very, very, very bad. That's another issue. As a child, I didn't, I was unaware of it. And then when I got older, you would see trans people dressing how they felt. I don't know why people get so upset by it. Like if it's not hurting someone and who knows who they are, better than the person. Right. And and honestly, who cares? They're just clothes. So what do you think the world will be like in after time? I, I fear in the United States, it's not going to be much different than it was before. But I, I, I do hope that people wash their hands more. Um, <laughs> maybe when they're sick, they realize it's rude to get other people sick and wear masks. I'm hoping that they really reform you know, the elderly community and and nursing homes, because that's a real tragedy. How many elderly people we lost because it was just running rampant in these homes that these people are forced to live out the end of their lives in. The pandemic has shown us the weaknesses in our society before, how we treat our seniors, how we treat our workers, our essential workers, for God's sake. I was ordering DoorDash and Uber Eats two, three times a week during the pandemic. And they had to have drivers to bring the food and they had to staff these restaurants. And that kept us going. It kept us alive because it fed us. They were the the frontline heroes. They really were the frontline heroes. However, they were getting credit at first. And now they're saying like, why are we going to pay someone $15 an hour when a high school student could do their job? I mean, it's it's ridiculous, that attitude. And $15 an hour isn't much. Well, $15 US isn't much because that's like $2 Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's in Canadian, it would be over 20. Your, your dollar is still worth more. I think our dollar is oh, worth about yeah. 75 cents or 80 cents to your dollar. I think with the time during the pandemic, it's allowed us to see what's going on. I hope we come out of this with unity and people working together to get to raise up the people that are the worst off. And I people- think I think that's going to happen in Europe, probably Canada, 
maybe not so much in the United States. Everybody needs to eat. We have a system where once a company has as much as they're going to be able to sell, they destroy the rest of the food. There's so much waste in our system. I think there's a way to do better where people aren't being exploited or having to go without. Because when people have to go without, they get desperate and they can fall into drugs. They can fall into crime. I know where I live, we've got a real problem with people hooked on drugs. Like the opioid crisis is another pandemic. And when well, you have a drug addiction running rampant. I don't know. People... Where where do you live? Southern Ontario, uh, west of Toronto an hour. Are you, okay, so you're in a smaller town? I live outside of larger towns, yeah. So whenever you have a small town, people are going to turn to drugs and excessive alcohol use because there isn't anything else to do. And they're... I think a lot of times with drug addiction, there's they're using it to cope with other problems that they're oh, trying yeah. to run from. Whether but it's I think initially, or- especially people that I know, I mean, I grew up, I didn't grow up here. I moved here when I was an adult, but uh, it's, you just do it because you're bored when you're younger and it, and it escalates from there. And if you have good activities for people to do, they're not going to try to cure the boredom when they're teenagers with drugs and alcohol if you give them a sense of connection and purpose well it's it's, it's, you think the states is going to stay the states there's not going to be a tax on the rich there's not going to be income redistribution yeah well commander davies thank you so much for your time uniting humanity here on the pandemic show stories of the pandemic for the people of the pandemic no one's alone on the Pandemic Show. Thanks for listening to the Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the pandemic show.